coming up, NFL Divisional Round Recap with myself and Will Vanderwall. We get into all four of the Divisional Round games, which were exciting in some way. I really enjoyed myself watching football this weekend. There was a lot to talk about, and that is exactly what we did on today's episode. Uh, this week's schedule, I plan to come out with um, Conference Championship Preview in the NFL, and I also want to talk a little bit of NBA basketball. I feel like that has been neglected because of the NFL playoffs and whatnot. So I plan to do that. So without further ado, here we go. All right, Will. It's Monday morning. We have a holiday today, so we get the great gift of not having to record later like we usually do on a Monday night because there is no school. It is MLK Day. That makes me happy. I was excited to be able to stay up late last night and watch the entire Saints-Bucks game. Actually, what I want to start with, let's go backwards here from the Mm -hmm. four divisional games, which were all pretty fun in some ways. So let's start with the Senior Bowl in New Orleans. That was awesome that you called it that. Well, because it is. They combined, what was it, like 85 years old between the two quarterbacks? Yeah, uh, pretty impressive. Oldest by a pretty wide margin. Um, first thing right, right off the bat that stands out is is Drew Brees done? Yes. Huh. Yeah. He just he he just I don't think he just does not have it, and it showed in the most visible way possible on Sunday. He just he couldn't throw more than. 10 yards down the field. The one throw that was more than 10 yards down the field was famous Jameis on, I don't even know if that was a trick play. That was just him, Traquan Smith being wide open down the field. (laughs) Um, Breeze had three picks, which I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure all of them were from a clean pocket, which never really happens to Drew Breeze. His arm strength just isn't there. Mm -hmm. There was like Drew Brees always plays like a little like a there's like a pep in his step, plays very positively. Mm-hmm. It just there there wasn't like this light in his eye. There wasn't like mm-hmm. that extra little bit of, of fire. And it was really crazy because through all these years, he him and the New Orleans offenses had to drag these terrible Saints defenses through the playoffs. And like remember like it, before their defense got like really good, I think it was like 2016 or 2017, like they were easily the least drafted fantasy defense mm-hmm. before that. But now it's the opposite. He was really holding back what I thought was the most complete team in the Saints huh. this year. Like I really did. Their defense was really good this yeah. season and they had the tools on offense. Yeah. It, it was funny. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, who are who they've done plenty of, of Saints games to Andrew Reese, they mm-hmm. really they, they refused to condemn the, the quarterback play, which was really bad on both sides. We just talked about Breeze. Brady I think I don't think he he didn't even throw for two hundred yards. He kind of lucked out with 199 oh nice he kind of lucked out with the the field positioning his defense gave him with 
mm-hmm. the interceptions. He was 18 for 33. Leonard Fournette was their leading receiver with five catches. Uh, it was actually Bright, who had uh, four for 50. Oh, uh, well, receptions. Uh, receptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. For A couple things here with the Tampa Bay's receiving core. I don't know. what. Do you remember why Leonard Fournette was on waivers for so long? In real life, not not fantasy football, real life. Yeah. Uh, I could not tell you. I don't even know why, to be honest, the Jags dropped him. It was def- he was struggling, I think. Yeah, but, like, not – he was, and it might have also been a money thing because I know Christian McCaffrey, who was in the same draft class, I know he got paid this past offseason. Mm-hmm. So it might have been that. But I have no idea why he was on the waiver for so long. And it's – Yeah. And doesn't look like the greatest decision. Despite um, the passing game not being great this game, uh-huh. it, it, it's been pretty clear throughout this whole season and this playoffs why Tom Brady came to Tampa Bay yeah. and left New England. Like, there are just so many more tools in the toolbox mm-hmm. with this Tampa Bay team. I mean, Tom Brady, he targeted nine different Buccaneers, and eight of them had catches which I think was pretty impressive, albeit five of them only had one catch. Some of them were big. Scotty Miller, the big mm-hmm. 29-yard catch. Tyler Johnson, which uh, Joe Buck was calling, like, one of the greatest catches you'll ever see in a playoff game. I mean, it was good. I don't know about one of the greatest catches ever, but it was all right. I was waiting for Gronk to have, like, his, his diving catch in the end zone, and it mm-hmm. almost happened. But then I realized it wasn't the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this entire game was essentially just a revenge game for the Buccaneers, even though the Saints had beat them twice coming in. I think everyone knew that the Bucs were going to win this game. Nah, not everybody. Okay. I, a majority of people I had seen speak on the game thought that the Bucs were going to win just because – um, in any sport, um, especially like division uh, rivals, it's literally an almost impossible unless you're a lot, a lot better than the other team to beat someone three times in a row. Um, you look at uh, college basketball things. The first one that comes to my mind is St. Mary's Gonzaga, where Gonzaga's usually always the better team, but St. Mary's always wins at least one of those. Uh, if they face in the uh, playoffs, whether they got it in the regular season or uh, in the playoffs. But it's just really hard to beat a team three times in a row when you're evenly matched, I would say. I mean, I think the uh, Buccaneers offense matched really well with the Saints defense. Um, And then on the opposite side of the ball, the Buccaneers defense uh, played, like, really well again. The last two times the Bucks defense has played well, but it's been uh, the lack of offense which has killed them, which is kind of funny, uh, considering they're supposed to have a ton of weapons. But if I remember correctly, Michael Thomas had zero catches, which I'm not surprised. Um, it's it's kind of sucked this year, but um, – I mean, yeah, if you look at the Saints offense, Breeze threw for 134 yards on 
34 passing attempts was 19 of 34. Had a QBR of 31.7 and a rating of 38.1 and wasn't even sacked. Like, that's the crazy yeah, thing. The Saints no have been quarterback keep, Saints have been sacked. Keeping, Saints have been keeping him clean, like, this whole playoffs. I think the last two times they played Tampa Bay, he got sacked twice, and one of them was for zero yards. So, technically once. But finish what you were saying. I kind of interrupted you there. Yeah. Um Four turnovers, you have three picks, and then you have the fumble by Jared Cook. Um, I mean, it just wasn't, like, the most exciting game. Like, it was close, but, like, it wasn't, like, on the edge of my seat. Yeah, the, the Bucks definitely pulled away in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And I, I think after, like, the two-minute mark, it was pretty much over. Mm-hmm. Coming into this game, I was interested to see if Chauncey Gardner Johnson was going to start a fight because he has like three times. I think he mm-hmm. made Javon Wims rip his chain off and take a few swings at him. Yeah. He got Anthony Miller ejected in the wild card game, the game before yesterday, mm-hmm. and caused Michael Thomas his own teammate, to throw haymakers at him in practice, which got him, I believe, suspended. Um, mm-hmm. While no fights were started, I just feel really bad for this, for not only Drew Brees, obviously, because this is probably how he's going to go out with another playoff loss. But the Saints' defense has been really good, not only this season, but the last few seasons, as we've said yeah. before. Marshawn Lattimore... Other than the other than the three yard touchdown he gave up to Evans, didn't allow another catch to Mike Evans. Yeah, he, he, Mike Evans was like visibly frustrated mm-hmm. on the side. No, on the sidelines, no receiver really took over the game. Yeah, Godwin dropped another touchdown. I feel like yeah. that might be a little bit concerning. But he's got the best hands, right? According to Tom Brady, yes. Okay. So, uh, I one more thing. Devin White is an absolute difference maker. He is was, he is obviously the one. He's the defensive quarterback. He's the one yeah. looking out, making sure the plays are right. He he is. If he catches COVID again, knock on knock on all the wood. The Buccaneers are a worse defense. Now look, they do. They still do have a lot of guys. Murphy Bunting had a great play. Yeah. Um, Shaq Barrett led the team in pressures. I think he had somewhere between five and seven of them. But Devin White is is really the superstar of that defense, and and it showed. So yeah, that was a great. That was a good win by the Buccaneers. I'm really excited mm-hmm. for Brady Rogers. I don't know about you. Do you remember? The last time Brady and Rodgers played, I just, I just can't remember any time the Pats and Packers have played each other. It's probably happened once. I, I just can't remember it being like a instant classic game or whatnot. It was definitely a regular season game. I know they didn't uh, go in the Super Bowl. Um, I'll look it up. Okay. Let me transition. Let's, let's transition to, to the game of Sunday while you're looking that up, which was – Browns Chiefs. I really don't know why Vegas overreacted with the line 
for Sunday because it started out at 10, which I thought was like mm-hmm. a good line. But then my game time, it, it, it moved all the way down to, I think, seven and a half, mm-hmm. which I thought was well, weird. The Okay, the reason for that is um, I don't – well, I've wa- I watched a lot of Chiefs games this year just because I was like every time that I was uh, free or like didn't have any homework, um, I was just kind of sitting by myself. Uh, like the Chiefs just happened to be on, so I would watch it. And every single Chiefs game was close, but they always won. Like, that's that's why the line was so close, because there were so many games that the Chiefs should have blown them out, and they just didn't cover. And the point spread was taking into account for that. Like, when it started off at 10, like, I knew in my head, I'm like, there's no way in hell the Chiefs cover this. Because they're just... It's an it's an efficient offense when they need to be efficient, and sometimes it not like they're taking plays off, but they're just like not going a hundred percent. Like they legitimately could put up eighty points on a team if they wanted to, but they just don't feel like it. I think it was the Tampa Bay game. They they're just like the whole game, it looked like they were challenging themselves. Like that, they, they kicked the field goal from the Tampa Bay one yard line. It looked like they were screwing around on offense. Kelsey was, like, doing a fake lateral after a catch. Mm-hmm. It looked like Mahomes was, like, lollygagging, but they still won, mm-hmm. which was impressive. The yeah. The biggest storyline of this game, obviously, was – well, we can get to the man of the man of the hour, Chad Henney, later. But Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. It- I was so confused when he – was trying to stand up and he he couldn't like a drunk uncle. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. He looked like a drunken sailor. He it, it just it wasn't good. It's not like Mac Wilson crashed into him like he took a jarring yeah. hitter. It's not like Mahomes got his head slammed <laughs> on the turf like a uh, Lamar Jackson did and then he got up all woozy and I honestly think he would have been better off staying down cuz he was already hurt. Cuz we would have yeah. been thinking like, "Oh, his foot must have gotten Screwed yeah. up or whatever, but didn't look like anything incredibly dirty, unless you saw something mm. different. No, I mean it just it looked like his nice sneeze. It looked like his net gave out like a uh, like bobblehead or something, like on the way to the ground. Like his head, if I remember correctly, didn't even hit the ground. It like barely grazed it or something, but his neck just was like flying around um i mean he did get his neck pulled hard but there has to be like i a, really think it was had to be like a nerve or a muscle or he, something yeah he must have hit something i mean there's no real explanation for anything else yeah when he stood up he looked disoriented then he was he was walking mm-hmm. fine and then he was running back to the locker room yeah uh his fiance said he was fine I think he's going to be fine for the AFC Championship. Yeah, but you got a lot of concussion protocols to pass. Yeah. Like, I don't... How many people have come back in one week from a concussion? It's always been two, hasn't it? Who? Like, I, isn't a concussion like you miss a game? Like, oh, I know like you, how many I, games do you miss because of a concussion? Yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know anyone who's come back, like, 
get a concussion, like even if you have a Saturday walkthrough concussion somehow, or um, get a concussion on Sunday where you're playing that next Sunday, there's just too many protocols to pass. You got to get outside doctor input. You just got to get a whole bunch of things that obviously the NFL can do, even though it's uh, COVID just because they got a wide reach, but it's a long process. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to the later part of the game. Mm-hmm. After Mahomes goes out, yep. I think if Chad Henney had come in like earlier in the game, I think the Browns win. Because think about it, if Rashard Higgins doesn't fumble out of the end zone, which I want to talk about well, that rule. Okay, it's it, it's the game goes to was sixteen to ten probably. Yeah, it was sixteen to three. Yeah. And then um, if the Browns go up and you give the ball back to Chad Henney, Chad Henney has to go 60-plus yards. And with him already throwing the 40-yard punt, basically, to yeah. Carl Joseph, I I don't think I would have I, – I wouldn't have trusted that at all. And there was, like, a little mm-hmm. bit where I was thinking about, could the Browns and Bills – really be the two teams that are playing for a Super Bowl bid. Like I couldn't wrap my head around it. There was like no. thirty seconds there were like thirty seconds where I was like it, where I was like contemplating it happening, but I was like there, there there's no way. There's mm-hmm. no way that that is gonna be the game to get into the Super Bowl. Last last pos- the last possession after the Browns had punted, and the Chiefs are trying to ice the game. Yeah. So it's third and 14 after there was like a crack back block call, I think, which was like close on replay. But yeah. it was like, I... eh, all right, cool. So it was third and 14. I was thinking they were just going to hand it off to Daryl Williams because there's no way – I thought there was no way – Andy Reid was going to be incredibly aggressive on third and 14. But how could I ever doubt aggressive Andy Reid? He calls some kind of vertical play. The Browns defense, they all back up. And Chad Henney confidently rolls to his left. And then he takes off. I'm like, oh, okay, he's probably going to get five yards out of it. But then he keeps running, and I still see not a single white jersey coming to tackle mm-hmm. him. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to – is he going to get the first down? And then he's charging, and then the, the yellow line pops up on the stream. I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to get the first down. Because, like, the closest Brown was, like, at the first down marker. Yeah. Then he, he trucks forward, and it looks like he has it. Tony Romo's going crazy. He sounds like, uh, he sounds like Kenny Smith after any NBA dunk <laughs> contest – dunk ever it's going it's over let's go home it's over ladies and gentlemen and it's arrowhead stadium's going nuts even though there's a limited capacity announcers are going nuts henny's going nuts the chiefs are going nuts and then they review it and it was actually an incredibly great spot by the refs to put it short because his elbow was down and the ball was like just barely behind the line 
So now it's mm-hmm. it's fourth and one. Now I, I was thinking, and I, I I would put my money on that the majority of people watching the game were thinking, oh, they're just going to try to get the Browns to, to jump off sides. They're going to take the delay of game so um, their punter has more room to try and cough and corner it. Yeah. So the clock is ticking down. Henny's hard counting and whatnot. And Romo points out, oh, their body language says they're not going to snap it. And since Romo's so great at predicting stuff, I was like, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. So the clock is ticking down. With five seconds left on the play clock. Wasn't even at one second. It was five seconds left. They snap it. And Jim Nance was like, oh, and they snap it. And I was like, oh, my God, they snapped it. Because usually I feel like you would snap it with a second left or even two seconds left. There were five whole seconds left on the play clock. Yeah. And they run a very easy-to-complete pass. That was a great play called by Andy Reid. They get it to Tyreek Hill. He gets the first down, stays in bounds. Game is over. Mm -hmm. Do you think Andy Reid earned himself a spot in Canton with that play call call alone? Because that is is as gutsy as you can get. I feel like they had to have practiced that. I mean... Yeah, obviously, they definitely did at some point. Wait, hmm. I just looked at the Chiefs lost to the Chargers. This e- well, th- that was with their JV squad. Uh, okay, I just I didn't realize they actually lost that game. I was looking at the record. I go fourteen and two. Yeah, they they, they put out their the JV squad that game. Yeah, no, I, I know they did. Um, yeah, that was. I mean, you you watch it live and you're like, why did they do that? And then you think to yourself in your head, well, if I'm questioning it, if the announcers are questioning why they did it, then the defense is definitely questioning why they did it. And that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Your goal is to be unpredictable on offense because then just an easy flat route for Tyree kills open. Um, yeah, the uh, play where Henny scrambles out, or uh, scrambles out to the left and takes it. I had just turned back on the game, and watching that, I was I had the same reaction that you did. But he also did his best, like Patrick Mahomes, like scramble, mm-hmm. like he, other than the weird, weird, weird running motion that Patrick Mahomes has, like the dive was spot on. And yeah, he dove like he was is, about to hurt himself. Yeah, he also just, like, obviously hasn't had many diving lessons because he kind of just crumpled. Yeah. Like, he was obviously trying to just protect the ball. That was definitely the main thing in his mind. But he definitely could have gotten that first if he didn't dive weirdly, but I'm kind of happy he didn't and we got to see the other thing. Um, but Andy Reid's been known to just throw out some really just random play calls, and because of the weapons that they have, he can literally throw out any play call ever, and if it goes horribly wrong, somehow we can always just be like, oh, yeah, he's got enough weapons that it's going to work eventually. Like, he could throw his offensive lineman, like, on the sideline but still in bounds somehow and just have the center snapping the ball to Mahomes, and it's just like, it's Andy Reid. 
like he can get away with it. Very true. One thing I did notice, Chad Henney looked extremely like confident minus the interception. Yeah. Like he yeah. looked oddly confident for a backup quarterback. We saw in he the, was thirty five. He is thirty five and he's he's a veteran, but I mean I'm trying to compare this a little bit. We saw Tyler Huntley come in the game after Lamar got hurt. Look, he's yeah. a rookie, but he he was he was very he was he was good he was good he was yeah. good and yeah. you definitely probably... have to you definitely have to get reps in order to be that confident in yourself to yeah. make those kinds um, of play calls at that stage in the game. Yeah, one more thing before we get into the diving uh, coercion, I didn't realize that. Uh... Kelsey and Tyreek Hill both passed 100 yards. Yeah, they were their usual dominant selves. Tyreek Hill yeah. is he's, – he's – people – I feel like he doesn't get enough credit for being such a great contested catch receiver. Like that mm-hmm. catch when Henny floated it, it was the fade route, and yeah. he like caught it on his leg. That catch was so sick, he made the Browns challenge it. And honestly, yeah. if I was the Browns, I would have challenged that too because it, it looked weird. Yeah. And they were standing behind and, him, so like I understood it. Yeah. Um, but that that was an amazing, and, amazing catch, and Kelsey was his usual dominant self. He he honestly makes Kansas City's offense go from elite to nearly unstoppable. A leader. Um. Yeah, I mean, of course, you got the Tyreek Hill catch where he didn't even think that he caught it against the Broncos this year. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's done some just crazy things this year, and the amount of things that he's done, he's almost, like, flown underneath the radar, even though he's, like, I think he's finally starting to get, like, credit. Like, he's short, but he's also got, like, a 45-inch vertical and then some. Yes. And that was in the combine. So, like, imagine what he's got now. He he's been. He'll go up and just rip the ball from people. He 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 wants the ball. That's one mm-hmm. thing. He he wants. He really wants the ball, and that's a trait that is obviously yeah. very valuable to a wide receiver. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last thing on the Chiefs before diving thing. I know I said that mm-hmm. twice now, yep. but the uh, absence of a lair um, didn't seem to bother them that much this game. I no. mean, it was. It was, like, weird at a point, but um, they still got 78 rushing yards from uh, Williams, and, like, Le'Veon Bell got a couple snaps and didn't really do a whole bunch who was still in the formation. They even lined up Tyreek Hill at running back, and Tyreek Hill standing next to Patrick Mahomes is, like, when your babysitter comes to pick you up from daycare. It's literally when <laughs> it's, like, the NFL mini. It's the NFL minis. Instagram page was in real life. <laughs> he looks so adorable. <laughs> All right, let's. Um, or did you, did you have more? Can we move on to the oh, fumble touchback? I was just, or I was just going to talk about, um, like next week if Mahomes doesn't come back, they don't have a layer back next week. If they don't, uh, for both of them, I just don't know how that's going to work. I, I think that's just something we'll have to monitor throughout the week. Yeah. All right, now that we've now that we've exhausted the Chiefs, let, let's talk about the fumble touchback. Yeah. So the Browns played a really good game for the most part. Mm-hmm. 
Mayfield was mm-hmm. good minus the Matthew interception, which I think was just a really good play by Matthew. Um, he was yeah. 23 for 37, 204 yards. And he threw a really he threw a really nice ball to a Jarvis Landry. It was a really nice mm-hmm. out route for the Browns touchdown. Um, one thing I didn't really understand, they were down 19 to 9 and they kicked the extra point. Um, you don't need to be a mathematics major to know that if you go for two, you're down eight instead of nine. And yeah. I feel like, especially against the Chiefs, you need all the bonus points you can get. Yeah. The math just didn't really make a ton of sense there. Yeah, plus if you miss it, then you're down, and you're down 10, 10 and it's still a two yeah. point. It's still a uh, two possession. Um, yeah, I thought uh, Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt like they didn't have the world's greatest games, but there were there was one drive in particular. I really want to say like first half when um, Browns get their touchdown, where like Chubb had an eleven yard run, like back to back first down runs, and then Kareem Hunt came in and had a really dominant run, and I was like, okay, here we go, it was the Browns thing, and then they just kind of didn't really do much else i really like they had one like amazing running drive and that was kind of it i really can't believe kareem hunts a backup like he'd be a starter on a lot of teams he is a strong dude and a tough runner yeah so now let's get to the fumble touchback so it's it's 16 to 3 the browns are driving mayfield's hitting he's hitting his guys he hits Mm -hmm. rashard higgins and Higgins has a little bit of green grass. He extends. Was it Sorensen that hit yeah. him? So Sorensen yep. literally defines targeting. Yeah. <laughs> and Higgins gets the ball knocked out. It rolls out of the back of the end zone. It's a touchback. It's the Derek Carr special. Der- Didn't he do that like he did. one time? He did. No, he did it like two or three times in, I really want to say last year. It happened two times when I was watching live. One time, I think it was against the Packers, um, like right before halftime. And then because of that touchback, Aaron Rodgers goes and uh, gets a touchdown in 40 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then he did it again. And I don't know what the solution to that rule is, but I think we can both agree that that needs to be fixed. So there's two things that need to be fixed. I th- the fumble touchback rule. So for any of you that were confused watching that, so basically if the offense, if someone got, if one of the guys on the offense, he's going for the end zone or he's near the end zone and he fumbles and the ball rolls out of the – in the ball rolls out of bounds in the end zone. That's a touchback. And the defense, it's basically a turnover. And the defense yeah. gets the ball on their own 20-yard line, I believe. So there's pros and cons to that. The The one good thing about the rule, it's like, it's just don't fumble there. Yeah. But the con about that is it, it's – if you fumble it anywhere else and it goes out of bounds, and it, it remains your ball. It remains the offense's yeah. ball. But if you just happen to fumble out of the end zone, up too bad. And the, the defense mm-hmm. gets good field position out of it. Yeah. So 
the way I would fix it, the I would just have the opposing team get the ball at the spot of the fumble instead of getting it at the 20-yard line. Because I feel like that's like a pretty simple rule, and it's just don't fumble out of the back of the end zone. But at the yeah. same time, I feel like you should, the defense shouldn't get extra rewarded with okay field position. Like, the mm-hmm. the Chiefs should have gotten the ball at, like, the one or, or wherever wherever Higgins yeah. fumbled it. Will, what do you think of this rule? Because it is – I believe I believe it's, it is universally disliked in the NFL. Yeah. It's uh, – the most disliked – the most disliked part is definitely the touchback part. But I also, like, the whole point of, like, rules and stuff, uh, you know, like, laws is just, like, to set a precedent. And if you have a precedent of anywhere else that you fumble the ball, it's your possession. It's really annoying because then it's, like, how many times do you stretch out the ball and really fumble it out of the end zone? And it's, like, all of those are usually going to become highlight plays. But – at the same time, it's like how many rules really benefit the defense? It's like the only rule that really does. I mean, at this point, you've got targeting. Well, there's you've the got... catch rule. Yeah, but the... a lot of those are just being called catches at this point. I mean, uh, they, they like, still look for guys that are completing the process of the catch. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. But that's definitely gotten a lot. It's gotten a lot catchier, really. You want to I say. guess since the like, Des, the Des play. Yeah, yeah, but um, uh, you've also got uh, defensive PI, which goes to the spot of the foul, which is like it should be that way, but it's just like annoying for a defense that they don't really have anything to combat it. Like an offensive PI is ten yeah. yards, so I really think that's like one of the only things that, like really helps the defense. If it was to be that um, it's still the offensive possession, I don't really know how the yardage works. Like, do they just go at the spot of the fumble, which they might. But if it's, like, spot of the fumble, one-inch line, you might as well just give them the touchdown. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know what the solution to that is, other than obviously just take away the touchback, first of all. And then the second thing we got to talk about is I hate – just in general, this doesn't have anything to do with like the targeting call in specific, but why on a replay can't everything be? Yeah, viewable? I completely like, agree. Already, already you have like field positions reviewable at the same time that it's reviewable from a catch. It's also reviewable. Um, uh, like a uh, clock is also reviewable. Just make the penalties reviewable too. Like, oh, no, we can't review something that we can obviously see as the refs go. And they're definitely watching that six, seven, eight times looking. We're going to get a lot of crap for this on Monday. Like, it, and it's in all sports, too. It's like some things just aren't reviewable. And it's like, well, I can really see that you just beat the crap out of that man on the goal line with probably the most obvious rule break ever. And you are in the midst of reviewing the play already. Like, I don't think that you can, like, challenging penalties, like, that gets, like, a little bit iffy. But if you're already reviewing the play, just review everything. So, yeah, I feel like not just in the NFL, but I feel like all sports just need more common sense. 
in their replay review system. Like I remember, I forgot what year it was, but in the MLB, it was Rays Indians and Ben Zobrist is up to bat. There's like playoff implications on the line. And Joe Nathan, I believe, mm-hmm. is on the mound for the Indians. And he throws, it's like a full count. And Joe Nathan throws one that is almost in the dirt. Uh, the umpire calls strike mm-hmm. three and the game ends. And you, the camera shoots mm-hmm. to Joe Nathan and he can't believe it's a strike. Or it's a, or yeah, they, he called it a strike. The umpire called it a strike. Ben Zobrist is beside himself. Joe Madden is beside himself. He was still the Rays manager at the time. And they couldn't review it because you can't review balls and strikes, which I think is stupid because they should have like a a challenge for balls and strikes because that's just something, especially if you watch the tape of that, it's so obviously a ball that you can just review that and be like, oh, that was a ball. Take your base. Like that's common sense. Same thing here. Sorensen obviously leaned he he leaned with the crown of his helmet, which is what yeah. the rule states. If you and lean made, with the crown of your helmet, and he made contact with the other with the opposing with player's helmet. helmet. With nothing but the helmet. They're like, oh, we, we can't review that. That's just that's just what the rules are. And I think that's really stupid. Because it was really obvious yeah. and they should have just been like, Oh, that was that was targeting. Especially considering some of the other targeting calls that have happened in the NFL mm-hmm. and also college football and just in football yeah, in just general football. Yeah. They need to, they need to amend mm-hmm. that. They really do. Yeah. There's, I mean, there was, there was also an official standing right in the goal line and he's definitely looking down at the play going, mm-hmm. like someone just gave me 70 bucks before the game. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, slightly. Um, yeah, that should just, if you're reviewing a play, just everything should be reviewable. Agreed. Um, so, despite the playoff loss, I think the, the Cleveland Browns have a bright future. We haven't said that in a little bit, but they really do. This is not the first yeah. time we are going to be seeing them in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, think about it. They didn't have Odell. And they finally, finally have a good O-line. Yeah. Like, it has been so long like last year when uh like kitchen kitchens was in question and like mayfield was in question my biggest question was actually the o-line every single time that i watched a browns game live it just looked like baker mayfield was just getting destroyed and he had like no confidence and no ability to throw it out because he was just afraid that he was going to get abused in the pocket like Burrow. So, yeah, when you give a quarterback time to make decisions, the decisions are Mm -hmm. usually better than under duress decisions. I feel like that it's not only with quarterbacking, but like in life, you're you're in a rush to go somewhere. You're going to forget. You're going to forget something. But when you have time, you're, you're making sure you have all your things. And that's I, I, when under perfect conditions, quarterbacks are usually much better than when they're mm-hmm. constantly, constantly running around. So that, that is that. That was a great game on Sunday. I enjoyed, I enjoyed watching that, even though the final yeah. score was 22-17, which I don't think anyone could have called, considering the Browns putting up 47 and the Chiefs being one of the best offenses we've seen in a very long time. All right, let's transition to Saturday's games. Saturday night. Mm-hmm. 
Ravens Bills. People were freaking out about the Ravens after they beat Tennessee. They were like, oh, yeah. They're on demon time now. It's Lamar's time now. Everybody hop on the Ravens bandwagon. They scored 20 points against a really bad defense. Those points were like pulling teeth almost. Like, you had the Lamar Jackson run, and you had what else? Like, you had a couple field goals, and they yeah, that that was their only or no, that's wrong. That was one of yeah, two I mean, offensive it, it, touchdowns. It, and it wasn't even like a pretty victory. Like, yes, you held Derrick Henry to uh, forty yards rushing, but if any team holds Derrick Henry to forty yards rushing, you're like gonna win. Um, and it just that game wasn't pretty, and this game obviously wasn't. I mean, you got. Three points and Justin Tucker, man. Like he, I, if that was, I, I don't think we'll ever definitely got to buy because of the wins. Like, um, the 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 first one was on him. The there second no one, though, on the, the goalposts were shaking. Like <laughs> the goalposts were moving, and the flags were going nuts. Um, but to have two Cody Parkies back to back, like, and then he made the Adam Gase he, face. His face, I he obviously doesn't miss a lot. Like, it's his. It was what fourth miss this season. I think he missed an extra point this season, but still, like his faces when he misses are so funny. He had one against the New Orleans Saints. That was his first postseason miss ever. Yeah, he missed the game tying extra. No, yeah. he missed the game tying extra point. It was yeah, a regular his, season game. His face is just—it's—it's it's great. It like Looks his like eyes get ghost. huge, and he's like, um, "Oh my god, what's the sound? It's like I effed up, like that sound." Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay, so if the Ravens scored 38 points against the Titans, maybe I would have been a little bit more hot or I would have been a little yeah. higher on them heading into this game. But they were uh-huh. they just looked uncomfortable the entire game. They just never settled in and there were a few takeaways from this game. One is that we already went over uh-huh. special teams matters. Also the climate matters if yeah. it's wacky enough. Um the Ravens yeah, need another I, receiver. Yeah. I completely agree. When Marquise Brown is your number one receiver, uh, I, I'm not liking mm-hmm. the wide receiver situation. I, I think he would be yeah. great as a slot receiver. Like, I think that is his best fit. I don't really like him mm-hmm. that much on the outside. Um, he was he's He's gotten much better as the season has progressed. I will say I've criticized him heavily on this yeah. podcast, but he's gotten a lot better. Um, but they just need Lamar needs another mm-hmm. X factor receiver yeah, I, to throw to, because he's not. You're not. I think this playoffs proved um, passing is the way to go. Because if you look at the four quarterbacks who were in the conference championship game, God dear, they're all <laughs> pass heavy. And they're great quarterbacks. I mean, the Bills ran like, what was it, like their first 18 offensive plays were pass plays. Also partially because they couldn't run the ball. 
but the pa- passing was has been working for them. It's mm-hmm. it's their strength, and Brian Dayball is smart enough to know that. You yeah. got to play um, to your strengths for uh, Baltimore and other teams in general. I feel like it's become more apparent now that you need like two good receiving options, but the main thing is you need a one speed guy and you need um, one like big frame or just like go getter guy. X factor. For like, yes, you have Mm -hmm. Mark Andrews, but Mark Andrews is just more so of a more so of a solid tight end than a go getter guy. Like you've got, Green Bay Packers, you've obviously got Devontae Adams, and then you've got the illustrious speed guys that they have. Um, Chiefs, you have Tyree Kill, you have Travis Kelsey, who's uh, – I mean, both are go-getters, but, like, Tyree Kill, you got the speed. Uh, Kelsey, you got the frame. Uh, Bucks have weapons. The only one that kind of stands out is um, the Bills, but uh, Stephon Diggs is just amazing, and then you've got – I don't think they really need a go-getter, though. That's the thing. Like, they're not going to have someone who will, like, I'm, moss you in the red yeah, zone. But I, I just, think that's honestly they fine. Need a, they just need someone who's a bigger receiver. Like, Marquise Brown isn't, like, winning a high ball in the end zone. Mm-hmm. He can be the speedy guy out of the slot. One guy I think the Ravens should definitely look at free agency is uh, Kenny Galladay. Yeah, as long as he can stay healthy, he would be so beneficial yeah. for Lamar Jackson because there's no one you're throwing it up to in the red zone. There's no one you're calling like yeah. a barbecue chicken alert mm-hmm. on in the end zone. Um, another thing, uh, having a center that has played center yeah. for a while matters. I thought we already saw the bad snap of the year in the Steelers game, but. We saw like mm-hmm. th- what was it like three of them? Um, apparently, he had been struggling. I think it was Cole McCarty that was filling in for center. Um, he had been struggling to snap the ball earlier in the season. Now, look, it, it's it's harder mm-hmm. than it looks to snap the ball. Um, that I hard? didn't I didn't know it was that that hard. Like mm-hmm. he was sailing it, and he was grounding it, and it was it was awful. Another thing, I, I Lamar's still not a good enough yeah. passer. He's still not beating. He's still not beating teams with his arms. A couple of uh, next gen stats. First of all, he got yeah. bottled up on the run on uh, outside the tackles. He had six mm-hmm. carries for twelve yards. Um, Buffalo blitzed the crap out of him, and he forced they forced Lamar yeah. to beat them with his arm. He was two for eight and was sacked three times under pressure, uh, plus the pick six. Oh, under pressure. Okay. Under yeah. pressure, not not the whole game. That's something he's going to – I feel like that's going to follow him his whole career if he can't become a good enough passer because, as we just said, the four guys in conf- – the four teams in conference championship games all have yeah. trustworthy passers. And I, I – I can't trust Lamar to, to continuously throw yeah. good footballs like a Josh Allen, like even good Russell Wilson. It, it's, 
he, he's, an, he's still an untrustworthy passer, and he still has to work on his mechanics, even though I feel mm-hmm. like he greatly improved the season. That, that's something he definitely worked yeah. on in the offseason. I just he said hope it that it doesn't, like, Ben Simmons affect him, where it's like people put so much pressure on him to do something that he wasn't naturally gifted at, that it just kind of derails him. Like, Lamar Jackson's obviously amazing, and yes, he does need to work on his passing, but you kind of just – at this point, you have to find a way around it. I feel like he's definitely going to work at it and get better at it. But as long as it isn't just, like, forced upon him, um, it is completely fine. Also, if you think about it, if Lamar doesn't throw the pick six in the end zone, it's a tie game. And if Lamar doesn't throw the mm-hmm. pick six in the end zone, it's a tie game. Yep. All right. It, it was 10-3. You got tie game. Yes, Bills have possession, but Lamar also doesn't probably get the concussion, too. So, I mean, this was kind of just a one-play game. The scoreline just doesn't really show it. So, let's Mm -hmm. transition over to the Bills. Can you give me your best Chris Collinsworth impression of how great the Bills fans were? Not good to Chris Collinsworth. I feel like you got it down, though. Okay. All right, I'll go first. Oh, Al. There's 8,000 people in here, but I swear it was like 80,000. <laughs> Al, Al, it's a party in here. These fans love the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. It, it was a party in there. Those fans really love the Bills. I just got a Bleacher Report alert that Bills fans, uh, they donated $290,000 yeah, to Lamar Jackson's charity. Yeah, they donated $150,000 in one day. I saw that yesterday morning. I think they've solidified themselves as the best NFL fan base. Like, sorry, not sorry to all the other fan bases. They're like Eagles fans with yeah, they're, integrity. Yeah, and they're also Cowboys fans without being Cowboys fans. You, what you know the what hell I mean. does that mean? That's like, oh yeah, they're Chargers fans, but they you care about their you know what football I mean. like, team. What, what is that whole, supposed to mean? Like, there's a yeah, there's a lot of like they're Cowboys not annoying fans, about it. Cowboys fans can are just always annoying, and uh, obviously Eagles fans will just. That's fair. There's some just wild stories. <laughs> um, yeah, there was one. I'll just I'll just tell one real quick. Uh, it was Eli Manning. He was like, I was walking back to the locker room at halftime in Philly, and this kid uh, gave me the double middle finger and said a word that he said he had to look up after the game because he didn't know what it meant. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Like, they were wearing a helmet. Someone threw, like, not a double A. I really want to say, like, a D, like, Duracell battery. <laughs> I was wow. like, all right. All right, well, let's <laughs> – Let's get back on track. Um, the pick six that sent Buffalo into a yeah. state of mass euphoria like never before. Um, for all you history buffs out there, that can maybe comp- be comparable to the era of good feelings. Um, and I think that might be uh-huh. it. Um, I think we forgot home field advantage. I think we forgot what that was yeah. until the playoffs because – Buffalo obviously allowed fans. And uh, Kansas City was pretty loud too. Didn't they? Uh, no, I'm, Seattle sorry. had no fans. Meant, oh, Nor New, did New Orleans. Orleans. Yeah, oh, in this in this I round, New Orleans had no. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, Green, Green Bay, Green Bay had fans. Rodgers was funny after the game. Yeah, they were pretty loud, even though there was obviously artificial crowd noise. They were, they were still yeah. pretty loud, and I they mean, were jumping. The only thing that home field advantage really affected was uh, weather conditions. Um, like, it wasn't, like, fan noise or whatever. You can just tell that Baltimore was, like, uncomfortable playing there. I mean, Josh Allen didn't really have that great of a game. He threw, what, 206 yards, 23 for 37, one touchdown, sacked twice. He was he – was... He was one for he six on deep throws. Just, they weren't they weren't on point today or Saturday. I think they've just had that build offense. They've just had a couple of off games. I yeah. think they can still get back on track. They've uh, crashed down to earth. Yeah, they're but still they're still good. Like, I think really good. The main thing is that they're comfortable. Like they are. They're very comfortable. That is one thing I noticed like, too. You don't see on the five deep balls that Josh Allen misses, like, yeah, he misses Stephon Diggs. There was one point he threw a deep ball to Stephon Diggs in double coverage. I was like, all right, Mr. Confident. But he, like, just – it was like water off of a duck's back. He just, like, didn't seem to care. And the Bills' rushing game gets 32 yards, and they win by two scores. Like – Yeah, Devin Singletary hasn't topped 100 yards Um, in a game this season. Was Zach Moss out? He's out for the whole that. playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it was also f- efficient um, in terms of, like, they didn't turn the ball over. Um, no, so, they didn't. Yeah, I mean... T- and they're... the. I was just going to say Tyler Bass was one for three, but that was it for field goals. Yeah, yeah. I think the wind was prevalent. Um, the Buffalo defense has played extremely mm-hmm. well and they've exceeded expectations. I didn't think they were that great heading into the playoffs. I think their offense had been mainly carrying the load, but they they've been they've been playing well and one thing I noticed, they love playing yeah. for the Buffalo Bills. Like that whole team yeah. loves playing for the Buffalo Bills. You've seen it on the social media posts they have seeing it, the practice dance parties and whatnot, snowball fights. Like, those are – we've talked about it before. Those are, yeah. like, the little things that increase the confidence of those players, and it, it makes them play better, which I feel like is a little bit overlooked. But I – this AFC Championship game coming up, if Mahomes plays, mm-hmm. I'm really excited for it. I honestly don't know who to pick. I really don't. I'm going to save my picks for later in the week, but I think the line Three right half, now, Kansas City, uh, Vegas is Vegas is yeah, Vegas is assuming that Mahomes is going to play, and it's three and a half by, um, in favor of Kansas City. So I really, do, I really don't know who to pick yeah. in that game. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited. All right, last game or last Let's, thing. Um, uh, I think that uh, the QB yeah. rooms in – other places need to start looking at the backups for good teams. Like Huntley, Huntley looks like he deserves a chance. Yes, he went six for 13, but he was moving with his legs. And he didn't get snaps with the first team, so that obviously throws it off. Same thing with Henny. Same thing with mm-hmm. Heineken. Like we've seen like a whole bunch of just, I really want to say like not heard of QBs. Like we've heard of them, but not really. Um this playoffs, and I just yeah. think that 
there's a whole lot of teams with really bad QB rooms that need to start looking at these good teams and just poaching backups. Yeah, as we saw in uh, the Rams situation, which we're going to get to in a second, you just yeah. you, you need guys. They where they were about. I, I don't know if they actually activated I, Blake Bortles. But I think they did. Wolford goes down and was like, "Oh, you're stuck with you're stuck with Jared Goff with four and a half fingers." Let's just call it four. Which let's get to that game now, and All then right. we can get out of here. Um, a few things. One. When you give a quarterback, as we literally said on this this episode, when you give a quarterback <laughs> time to make decisions, especially when that quarterback's name is Aaron Rodgers, the decisions are usually going to be better than decisions yep. under duress. That's the one thing the Rams' defense couldn't do is give Aaron Rodgers time mm-hmm. to do stuff. Aaron Donald, granted, did you see the thing on no, his ribs? It was like, there was a whole, it, it was, yeah, it, it clearly he, was. He was not himself. Affecting him. No, he wasn't. The, the Rams got mm-hmm. no pressure. Literally zero. On Aaron Rodgers. And the, partially because that Packers offensive mm-hmm. line is really, really good. They kept Rodgers yeah. extremely clean. Um, Devontae Adams is one of one of probably the best route runner I've ever seen. He was I, he definitely mm-hmm. won the matchup mm-hmm. versus Jalen Ramsey. Um, granted, the first touchdown I think could have been called a legal motion or a legal formation or something because I think there's a rule. I, f- I forgot the exact wording of it, but it's like you shoot. I forgot what it was. Anyway, um, he was rightfully mad after the first touchdown because. I, I forgot he wanted, who he was yelling at. I don't he know if was, it was Troy uh, Hill. yelling at Sean McVay, but not like at Sean McVay. It was just because I think they were supposed to. They were definitely supposed to switch. Like there was no way that Ramsey was supposed to go opposite and then come back. Yeah, I think that's one of those plays where you yeah where the other defensive back should switch on Adams so they mm-hmm. don't get that rollout easy touchdown. Um, the Packers running game played extremely well against a Rams defensive line, which is probably one of the more tantalizing yeah. units in the league. Uh, Jones had, like, three runs where if, if like, he didn't trip or, like, got past the safety, could have broken mm-hmm. it for yeah. touchdowns. Uh, Williams was trucking along nicely. Dylan didn't have a ton of carries, but he, mm-hmm. he made the most of them. The, the receivers – one thing that I feel like separates the Packers from, let's say, a team like the Ravens, they've had other guys step up in the receiving game. Granted, Lazard dropped a touchdown, but he's mm-hmm. made up for it. Tanyan, who should have been Big in the Bob. Pro Bowl, um, he he looks like he's he he looks like uh, he's on a mission to mm-hmm. do something after every catch. He is constantly mm-hmm. fired up. Which I really like, and then they have the deep threats in uh, Valdez yeah. Scantling and Alan Lazard, and yeah, Alan Lazard. We did mention the, uh, him. Sorry, I, I, I mentioned him. Complete break. Didn't mention him. All good. Um, Packers definitely their home field advantage. I think is the most home field advantage mm-hmm. of these playoffs. Ex- playoffs, mm-hmm. except maybe Buffalo. 
Yeah, I don't think that Buffalo's as used to their home field as uh, Green Bay is. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. also because Green Bay Green Bay's been in the playoffs yeah, I, more. Something about helps. there was a stat about Aaron Rodgers when it's below a certain degree. Uh, they were comparing uh, Aaron Rodgers and Jared Goff in the same conditions. Jared Goff is like uh, no touchdowns, five interceptions. Like something, 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 and then Aaron Rodgers is just the exact same dude. And I think that was the wild thing to me was just how efficient their offense was. Like first, first Packers drive field goal, then you got touchdown, then you got another touchdown, then you got field goal, then you got a touchdown. You do have two back-to-back punts, but then you have a touchdown. Like it was just. The the drive before the mm-hmm. half was mm-hmm. incredibly impressive. I think this is honestly one of the best versions of Aaron Rodgers we've yeah. we've ever seen, and that's pretty impressive when he's in when he's almost yeah. forty years old. Um, as for the Rams, Goff actually looked pretty good. I was very surprised at how well Jared Goff played. I think he was like twenty one for twenty seven, and like three of those incompletions yeah, were on the last point. drive. Um, the running game was not bad. Cam Akers, I think, has established himself as yeah. the running back one on the Rams when that situation was very mm-hmm. murky in the beginning of the season. Uh, Cooper Cup was yeah. definitely missed. I think the Rams still need an X-Factor wide receiver. Um, Woods and Cup and even Reynolds and Higby, they're, like, yeah, the solid. Ra- but they don't have, like, the Rams a de facto – like, oh, they're going yeah, to the this Rams guy don't on third Yeah, the Rams don't have that for any position. They don't have that for wide receiver, tight end, even, like, Cam Akers or yeah. – Offense, you're talking yes, about. Yes, sorry. Uh-huh. They don't have, like, a superstar. It's just a whole bunch of solid guys. I mean, I guess their superstar technically is Sean McVay. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think that his play calling has reached his full potential just because, like, again, he doesn't have that, like – X-Factor superstar player. Whereas other teams have multiple. Mm-hmm. I, was su- I was surprised by both how well the Rams offense played and their, their mm-hmm. defense got got exposed. Granted, it was the Packers. Um, and now we get Brady yeah. Rodgers in the NFC Championship game, which I am extremely uh, November excited for. 2018. Uh Oh, they played each other. Uh, Patriots win twenty-seven to fourteen, I think. Uh, Packers were like three, four, and one, and the Patriots were seven to one. So, uh, yeah, they lost to the Eagles in twenty eighteen, didn't they? Yeah, eighteen Eagles, yes. nineteen, uh, nineteen beat the Rams, twenty Chiefs. Yep. All right. Well, last mm-hmm. question before we go. What's the Super Bowl matchup you most want uh, to see? Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Holmes. <laughs> I would be so happy with that because it's if it's Patrick Mahomes. Okay, I feel like with a healthy Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs are going to come out. Um, and I would want the Chiefs to come out. Um, with a Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. Like, some people could see it as the passing of the torch. I see more 
of just the similarities between Rodgers and Mahomes. Like, Mahomes just looks like a younger Aaron Rodgers. Like, all the stuff that was like, oh, yeah, um, Mahomes is throwing, like, no-look passes and crazy stuff. Aaron Rodgers was doing the exact same thing, just no one's really paid attention to it in Green Bay. No, people are, are paying attention are, to it. I think no, he might win MVP. MVP. Um, the Pat McAfee show actually called it. They asked Goodell if they could. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's just doing stuff right now that's, like, unheard of, especially his age. Um, I think even though they didn't improve on offense, the Jordan Love pick might have been seen as a game changer for the next couple of seasons because Aaron Rodgers has a fire under his bottom. And he is mm-hmm. uh, playing really well. Uh, same uh, show, Pat McAfee show, is talking about how he's got like a uh, research love of life. And he started watching highlights of like 2010 again and just mm-hmm. learning to like fall back in love with football almost. Not that he didn't like it, but it's just a newfound appreciation just with everything going on. And he's obviously taken full advantage of it. I mean, he hit 400 uh, passing touchdowns this year, and his interceptions aren't even close to where everyone else was. Like, it's just the Green Bay Packers are just it efficient football. Yeah, there's no like, there's no, there's not a ton of Mm-mm. stalling. Which is nice for the yeah. football eye. I honestly would go with oh Justin Fields. Pulled, okay, declared for the draft. Wow! Wow! Expected. Wow! Wow! Breaking. They, ESPN listed that as breaking news. <laughs> That's stupid. They need to fix the breaking news. They need to edit like what's breaking news and what's not breaking news. Like I'll see like I'll see like the the ESPN logo flash red do 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 and then it goes the whole ticker turns red. It goes yeah. breaking news. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has declared for the draft. I was like, oh, dude, I thought like somebody breaking got news. traded. Like, I feel like that's they need to redefine what is in Patrick Mahomes is an NFL quarterback. No, really? Yeah, they they need to fix that. Anyway, I would honestly go with um, I would go with Bills Packers huh. as the Super Bowl I would most huh. want to see because I feel like there would be a ton of storylines. In that, oh, this Bills team, I want to call them a Cinderella, but it's just like this is the team they're going to be talking about forever. Yeah. This fan base, um, Josh Allen, uh, Sean McDermott, all the things. And then the Packers, you got, oh, Aaron Rodgers has a chance to solidify himself as the second greatest quarterback. Uh, he finally gets another yeah. Super Bowl. Um, I'm trying to think of the one I least would want. I would at least want probably Bucks Bills. I would, yeah. I would even go like, even though we t- we literally talked about that as like, what an interesting Super Bowl that would be. But out of the four potential Super Bowls, I feel like Chiefs Packers would just be the like the two best teams. Yeah. Um, I I just don't want to see. I don't want to see the Chiefs Bucks in the playoffs. Bu- That's just in the yeah, Super Bowl. Oh <laughs> all good. All good. You just don't want to see Tom it's, Brady. Win it's again. not even that. It's just like I'm not entertained by Tom Brady. Like 
with Tom Brady, it's just fundamental. And I'm sorry, but I wasn't the greatest like Spurs fan either. Whereas, well, yeah, it's like they're, exactly. they're really good, and you know what? But it's like you know what's gonna happen with the Packers. Like, it could be like run, run, sixty-five yard touchdown with fifty-five of it being in the air. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, with the Bills, we like this is like good storyline, like possibly best Bills team ever. I feel like the Bills um, are the team that is probably going to be the ones back here. Like if we had to bet something on a team returning, I would put it on the Bills because the Chiefs don't have an O-line next year. They essentially paid everyone but the O-line. Um, the, I mean, I don't see the Packers really getting any worse. And then you've obviously got the brady Buck situation where it's just like it's another year. So I don't feel like this is the best Bills team we're ever going to see because um, they essentially got their guys. Um, I don't think their cap situation is a problem, but yeah, no. I don't. I just don't think that this is the year for the Bills yet. Okay, unless Mahomes gets hurt, like or Mahomes doesn't play. Yeah, I don't see. I don't see. I'm, I, I don't see Chad any going a full game. Yeah. Like I know he played confidently, but I just I just don't yeah. see that. And one good thing, all four of these teams, like we wouldn't be shocked if either mm-hmm. of them won. That's another yes. great thing I like. Like I think these are the other than maybe the Buccaneers, I think these were the four best teams in football. Yeah, but and except except I said except yeah, but the only the reason Buccaneers. you would take the Buccaneers out is you would probably put someone from the AFC in. So I feel like you got the two best teams in each conference, essentially. You think the Steelers were better than the Bucks? Uh, I think that's close, just based on regular season success. Because they were both eleven and five. Yeah, it was more so. Thinking, but the Steelers kind of crashed and yeah, burned I think at the it end. Was the, like the Ravens on a good day. Sure. Well, yeah, on a good day. Um, yeah, like even this, like the Saints have just always had like a good record. But, God, they're so unlucky in the playoffs, too. Yeah, it's. I think it's time for a refresh. They can't refresh, though. They're $100 million in the hole. They got an Oh, I was talking – well, I was talking about, like, uh, uh, I guess, only yeah. the quarterback. Imagine – Yeah. I just need someone that just Matthew brings Stafford. a spark. Matthew Stafford on really? the Saints would literally break every single passing record that there is. And it's – I'm – Okay. <laughs> Okay. You've got a good okay. old line. He's got Michael Thomas. You still got Emmanuel Sanders. You've obviously got uh, Alvin Kamara. So he's finally got an established running back. And he's got a good defense. All right. I would, I, I would be interested to see that. I feel like Jameis Winston would honestly be fine. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would agree. He just deserves reps. And yeah, he just deserves a second chance, to be honest. Well, it was a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. It's just a very exciting weekend of football, and I can't wait for next week. Make sure to check out the blackandwhite.net. Always awesome stories going up by some awesome student journalists. Also, make sure to check out the rutabaga.net for Walt Whitman's quality satire site. Everyone, make sure stay safe. Keep wearing a mask when you go out in public. Enjoy your MLK day or whatever day you're listening to this. <laughs>